is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, Sam wins Mom of the Year. And in case you were wondering, Charlene won at the wedding. And we talk future-proofing your child with parenting expert, Nikki Bush. Hello. Hello. How's it going, Mom of the Year? (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a week. Yeah. More than a week since we've uh, seen each other. We... Uh, reneged on our commitment to launch an episode last week because of my award. Well, I know what's going on. So maybe you want to enlighten our listeners, our loyal listeners to what you've been up to. I think this fits in with my bombing at momming turned bad mom moments. It's like a, it's like, just they they seem to just gel it's like yes. just when you're winning you're not <laughs> no life just like claps you upside the head right <laughs> exactly so ray was away and i have a very good friend who was in hospital with um c diff <laughs> what it's like a it's like picking up a bacteria like e coli or whatever and if your immune system is at a particular low point it could really mess up your system and you get um you very contagious so she was in isolation for like 10 days and it, it was hard it's super hard not even the doctor was coming into her room he was standing at the doorway kind of talking at her and i mean it was just she was at a low and she's got a little boy <sighs> who is i cannot think of anything worse right? being in isolation but you've got a little kid and you can't be with your child i suppose you also you're happy to be in isolation because you don't want your kid to be sick, but yeah, the kid hard. doesn't understand. Yeah, I can't see my mommy. I can't hold my mommy. I can't. Oh yeah. my God, no, that must be tough. So I thought I'm going to bomb at this momming thing, be a good friend. And I'm going to, he had a sleepover with Elijah. He came to my house and we went that morning to the trampoline park. Um, yeah, close to my house. And we went for Wimpy before the time and the kids were having an absolute blast. We um, then went to the trampoline park post Wimpy, put our balloons and our shoes away and we just had an amazing jaw. Mm-hmm. Even extending our you know, visit by half an hour, you just go back and pay for an extra session or whatnot. You and these two toddler yeah. boys. Yeah, cool. I had my friend Michelle with me, uh-huh. Auntie Mish. I had Auntie Mish. I was going to say, me. just extra set of hands for. Yes, yeah. Right. And we were jumping and it was lacquer. And I, at one point, was chasing Elijah. But I mean, you're chasing a two year old. So I was like walking, jumping on. It was a very straight trampoline. It looks like a, a bit of a runway. And um. I remember Elijah hitting the wall, the end of the wall with his hand and going, finished, come on me. And he turned around and started running away from me. And I was—I just remember thinking, this is so much fun. I'm having so much fun. I love this. This is bombing at momming. And I hit the wall. And as I hit the wall, jumped, turned around, and my child was on the floor. I had double jumped him. Okay. He had landed on a straight leg and he was writhing in pain. Writhing. He was crying so much, not even tears weren't coming out of his eyes. He was just, he didn't know what to do with himself. He was in so much pain. Eventually, through the tears, through, through his cries, through his screams, I, I said, what? What is it? What, like, what happened? And I'm looking for something sticking out. I'm looking for nothing's like bleeding. bleeding. Yeah, and he just said, my leg, my leg, mommy. And he clung to me, turned around, and he just clung to me and cried and cried and cried. Did you think, did you think broken? I knew it. Is I knew it? it. My mom gut told me 
this is bad because Elijah does not behave like that. Mm. Elijah's a lot like me when I was little in that if you're having a lot of fun, even if you do seriously hurt yourself, you just get up and go because moaning about the Aina is actually going to get in the way of your fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a scar here like in my solar plexus where I, uh, when I was a kid, I climbed a ladder and slipped and fell and the top of the ladder, the top of the rung, stabbed mm, mm. my solar plexus and it was bleeding quite badly and I just carried on playing. <laughs> I never went to my mom or anybody to be like, I think I really injured my ribs. Can something. I still walk and breathe? I'm good, let's I'm go. I'm good, let's go. I just And Elijah's very much like that. So when he wasn't bouncing back, I was like, mm-mm, it's, it's done for. So I double bounced my child and I... um. Broke. But, I broke his leg. Okay, so let's dissect. You <laughs> were, first of all, doing a great job as a mom because you weren't sitting on the sidelines going, no, my boy, play. Be careful now. Don't do that. You were getting involved. You were playing with your kid. You were, like, involved and engaging with him. Best kind of way to be with your kids. They just want to engage with you all the time. So fantastic. Yes, definitely bombing at momming in that moment. Bad mom moment, double bouncing him and breaking his leg. It wasn't like you were going, let me see how quickly I can double bounce him. Come on, can you handle it? Can you handle it? Let me double bounce you again until you eventually broke his fucking leg. You didn't do that. No, I did not do that. So, yes, okay, it's about you feel, you do feel. feel We into, so last week we didn't have an episode because that was my first week of dealing with Ray not being here and having him with me full time because he can't, move he needs to be carried everywhere and i mean he obviously once the pain passes and they're a little bit uncomfortable they obviously don't understand that they're not allowed to move yeah because it's not so i'm fine mommy can't can't i just go exactly he keeps saying to me mom can we take my bandage off now oh shame because my leg is better oh shame doesn't yeah he doesn't get it i get it oh man sorry about that that's okay. I just, I have to share with you and the listeners, I suppose, this fucked up thought that I had that I've been having. And that was, I wasn't vigilant, vigilant enough. I was having too much fun. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Do you not? Like, that's the guilt. I think that's the guilt of, because I, well, I'm, I'm just volunteering this information, but I would imagine that it is because that's the guilt talking. You, it's the mom guilt talking. Because if you think as an adult, I'm supposed to be the responsible one. Yeah. I should have been able to see. I should have been some, a lot gentler with him. You should have pre been able to preempt, wait, wait, wait. There could be an injury here. Mm. But this is not putting, taking the poison out of your bottom cupboard and sticking it in the top cupboard so the kid can't reach it. This isn't one of those things. You, you're not going to see, unless there's a sharp object sticking out or you can't see that there's a potential injury there. Yeah. And he could have jumped off his bed while you were turning around to take his uh, hoodie or tracksuit top out of the cupboard and landed on a straight leg and broken his leg. He could have uh, tripped over a step at school or at the house and you he could yeah. have broken his leg still. So try not to be so hard on yourself. I do hear you, and you're right, it is a fucked up thought. And it's sad that uh, that as parents or moms, we always because default we, to that kind of thought process. If we don't thought process. have the energy and to play and we, we aren't that rough and tumble mom who's jumping around with their kid or piggybacks them or acts like a cow on the grass while they ride you, you know, like if you aren't that energetic involved mom, you feel shit about that. Then when you are the energetic involved mom, something happens to make you feel shit about that. And like you say, if you weren't being the energetic involved mom and you're watching from a distance and the kid fell and got hurt or something else happened, you would feel like I should have been there with him. I should have been on the trampoline with him. I should have checked it. True. Yeah, so it's so fucked up. There is just no winning at this mom guilt thing. No. And unfortunately, there's no getting away from it either. But I think you can afford to cut yourself some slack because it's not... 
I'm getting there. I think hey, at least you didn't break the leg of the of the kid that you were babysitting. <laughs> no, there's an upside. Trust me, trust me. <laughs> I count my blessings. <laughs> so listen, I probably would be the one doing that. Oh, my God, you can't win. Tell me how you are bombing at momming. So we got through the wedding. That was a big thing. Yes. It was fine. It was beautiful. Everything ran smoothly. The kids were champs. That was great. I um, feel like I. Well, I felt like I was bombing at momming because my kids are very used to sleeping uh, at their usual nap times and mostly in environments that they are used to napping in. So either at granny's house or, or Oma's house or mom's house or maybe in the car on the way somewhere or at school. We don't generally go to places where there's like a play park or, or to dinner or whatever when it coincides with their nap time and they just like fall asleep because they're just that tired. Um, they, they don't generally do that. Um, probably uh, that's got a lot to do with the way that I raise them and I have always been very routine and structured with their nap times and that kind of thing, which on the one side I think was our saving grace because we – things were manageable but the downside to that could be that your kids aren't really that flexible where other parents can go anywhere and the kids will nap regardless of what's going on around them so given that I raised my kids in that way I was quite nervous about the wedding because they were involved in the wedding we managed to get their midday nap in it wasn't as long as they used to so I was worried about them being quite um, unsettled and unhappy in the afternoon and then having to still go through like an evening of reception yeah. where, where and three four o'clock when weddings start these days it's mm. a tricky time for so kids. you're like only de- eating dinner at like eight nine o'clock mm, and mm. there's noise and 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 it's not like I can excuse myself and be like okay I'm g- going to bed with the kids first of all I wouldn't want to because it's my no, brother-in-law's yeah. wedding I want to be there and involved in it and um, I I, my mom was there and my in-laws were there and they were obviously he, my in-laws. I mean, they were at the main table. It's their son getting married. My mom was invited as a guest and I wouldn't expect her to at like seven o'clock. Okay, excuse yourself, miss out on dinner and everything so you can go and be in the room with the kids. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I managed to bomb at momming by going prepared and just taking it in my stride, not panicking about it too much. I did go equipped with electronic equipment uh, like iPads and a pillow, their pillows, um, their doo-doos and a little mattress for each of them and a blankie. And I found a little spot under the table around the corner. I set them up with their own little bed, an iPad, a pillow, their bottles, their doo-doos, they lay there until they were done watching iPads, turned over, drank their bottles Yay. with the music going and everything going, pulled their blankets over them. I said to Joshi, my darling, if you're tired, mommy's right here by you. You can do do. And they nod off, nodded off to sleep and they slept through the music, Brilliant. through the noise. At about half past 10, quarter to 11, my mom said, cool, we've had dinner, we've had a bit of a dance, we're tired, we're going to take the kids to, to bed now. And they didn't even wake. They didn't they they just coped that's awesome and I felt proud of myself for not being anxious about it and just just riding the way and just going with the flow so I felt that that worked out well well done and then I suppose there's got to be a bad mom moment I not um, always there doesn't no but I mean somehow (laughs) I don't get you don't get away from it just like when you're on that upswing you get punched in the Really. But anyway, I had packed a bag for, we had a birthday party on Friday, so the kids slept out and um, it was an adult birthday party, so it wasn't really uh, suitable for kids to go to. And so they slept out and I packed Jesse's nappy bag and uh, enough medicine for, they go to separate grandparents, so enough medicine for each of them, bags packed, everything. So when uh, we got home on Saturday, I had guests arriving, so I was in a bit of a rush and I didn't unpack the bags immediately. Um, and by Sunday morning, still hadn't done so. And Jess was very quiet in her bedroom at one stage. And um, she came storming out oh, very fun. cutely asking mommy, mommy, cloth, cloth. And I was like, what is she going to do now? And I went into the bedroom and she had taken out the glass bottle of ProSpan cough medicine out of her bag, which I was supposed to remove and put back in the medicine cabinet. Thank God she didn't drink it, but she did drop it. And there was now shards of glass all over her bedroom and ProSpan syrup seeping (gasps) through onto her, her, her bed 
and the stuff that was lying around it. And I just felt like the worst mom ever because I felt like she could have she could have consumed it. She could have. She could I mean, have had those lids. They have like safety lids, but still, she she could have cracked it, stuck her hands in it, cut yeah. herself, f- slipped and fell <sighs> and hit her head. So yeah. these bloody little people could they like give us any more stress? Even worse, the week the week t- leading up to this weekend, her and Josh were roughhousing on the bed, and I wasn't paying attention, and Jesse bounced off the bed into the wall and she had a, a like a lump on her head an egg-sized lump it was probably two and a half centimeters oh shit protruding two and a half centimeters from her forehead she looked like an alien i felt like the worst parent in the world but it wasn't you you no. were roughhousing with her no but Gosh. i was distracted i wasn't paying attention i was just yelling from around the corner stop it you're gonna get hurt <laughs> But like any mom, our moms did that. That's true. That's true. But if I think about how much worse it could have been, especially like you think about yeah, it. Yeah, you and do. Then your, your mind goes there. Oh, it's just shit. Okay, listen. Thinking about what, what could be mm. and the future mm-hmm. and what's to come. And how we should be anticipating all of this. <laughs> God. As if there isn't enough. enough to worry about in the present. Exactly. We're going to be speaking about future-proofing our children. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. Okay, so future-proofing your child. I think those um, sort of in the know and who are on top of their reading lists might have seen that there's a new edition of an older book out called Future-Proof Your Child, now called For the 2020s and Beyond. Um, It initially came out in 2008, but life has changed so damn much technology wise and just yes i think everything <laughs> it's just how things evolve things have evolved so far, so quickly that um there is a new edition out now 10 years later and this book arrived um on my doorstep and i am stuck into it and i just we have to we have to talk about it we we earlier this year we spoke about raising our kids in a digital world uh, when the Momo issue cropped up and we all felt shit about giving our kids uh, too much screen time and not you know being with them to, to guide them in their TV watching which should be limited because and whether of the blue it's light good or not or whether it's stimulating or not right so we we spoke about that we spoke about whether your child should have a digital footprint or not um, and basically we wrestled with the thought of technology especially for our small children being a bad thing Mm -hmm. but in reading this book and the book um, is by Nikki Bush and Graham Codrington uh, it's fascinating and has taught me so much about myself Um, so I'm just going to get straight into it it's written by by Nikki Bush Um, so Graham Codrington is a futurist Mm -hmm. and Nikki Bush um, sort of leverages this and synthesizes that with her experience as a parenting expert. So she is what is known as a human potential and parenting thought leader. And she helps individuals and teams win at life and work. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like I need to be winning at life. <laughs> I feel like I'm always losing at life, so I could <laughs> use a little bit of winning at life. <laughs> so Nikki has a passion for connection and relationships and maintaining those relationships in a fast-changing world. She has helped hundreds of thousands of parents and educate, educators to future-proof the next generation. And that's our, our little guys. Um, she's an award-winning speaker and a prolific author with books like, I, I mentioned, the first edition of Future Proof Your Child, Easy Answers to Awkward Questions is another one, and Tech Savvy Parenting, which she wrote with Arthur Goldstuck. So Nikki is 
the go-to person for anything child development, parenting, or human potential related. And as luck would have it. (laughs) You and your connection, Sam. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Earlier today, I got the chance to talk to her. Have a listen. So guys, on the line we have human potential and parenting expert, Nikki Bush, who I've been dying to get a hold of and I'm so happy you're you're here and you've carved out some time for me. Thank you, Nikki. Great pleasure, Sam. <laughs> so we always start all our interviews with the same question and that's uh, just to try and get to, l- uh, to know a little bit more about our um, interviewees. So if you could tell me about who calls you mom. <laughs> okay, so I've been walking the parenting journey as all your listeners uh, are doing for many, many years now. My children are 24 and 19. Wow. They're both boys. <laughs> so Ryan's 24, Matthew's 19, Matthew is in second year uh, architecture tax, and Ryan is overseas working on summer camps. Um, after, let me tell you, taking, uh, so he finished a BCom strategic management and then he uh, worked for a year in a virtual filming, com- virtual reality filming company and now he's taken a gap year to go and color in his talent profile in an interesting way to make his qualification look different to anybody else's. That's interesting. Color in his? Talent profile. Talent profile. Okay, listen, we need to pick your brain here because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm floored by the concept of your or your book, which we'll which we'll be discussing now. I'm. It's not even about intrigued. I'm relieved as a parent. I think you have put um, the nail on the head of what is making the modern parent anxious. So let's uh, get started about your new book, Future Proof Your Child for the 2020s and Beyond, which is actually a 10-year anniversary edition of the first uh, 2008 edition. Uh, That's correct, yeah. Except then that it it came out long before I even had a twinkle in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) So now with a child of my own, a parenting podcast, a co-host with two of her own kids, it's so relevant to us. And um, I'm just I'm keen to know what exactly changed from one edition to the next because there's, if I'm not mistaken, there's over sixty percent of new content in the in the new edition. Yeah, that's right, Sam. So in 2008, the first Future Proof Your Child came out and it was called Future Proof Your Child, Parenting the Wired Generation, as in W-I-R-E-D, as in children who were wired. Mm. And it really dealt with the coming change. We saw a lot of change coming down the line. Also remembering that I co-authored this with Dr. Graham Codrington. So he is a futurist. He travels to 25 countries a year and he's helping large organizations uh, that we all know um, you know, public organizations to um, to strategize for how the world is changing. So it was a masterstroke to combine parenting with the future. Nobody had ever done that mm. before. And that first book was an absolute bestseller. We sketched the coming change, the tsunami of change was coming down the line, made up of nanotechnology, biotechnology, space travel, genetic um, research, um, stem cell research, all those things that were sitting in the research and development laboratories of the world. However, in the last 10 years, all those things have become a reality and they are filtering into society and with it is coming disruptive change. We are now living with the disruption of those building blocks of change that have now actually come to be our reality. Uh, very interestingly, the smartphone only came into existence in 2007. Right. 2000, yeah. 2008 was when our book was launched and everyone thought we were nuts. <laughs> you know, what are these people talking about? They are off the wall. You know, <laughs> 60% of the jobs our children will do have not yet been invented. You know, that was like off the wall. And yet, uh, you know, it, you can take a pen and you can go through the 2008 edition and you can tick, 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 tick throughout the book all the possibilities that we sketched, which were just well-researched possibilities, they were not prophecies. They were predictions, not possibility, not, not prophecies, mm. have all happened. And now we have rising industries and falling industries and jobs that exist one day and don't exist the next. 
And if you are a parent of a child, and I do quite a lot of talks uh, for um, at schools, and I'm doing an increasing number for the grade nine subject choice evenings, mm. and they are full of angst because <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. parents are freaking out because they don't know what the future holds for their children mm. and the the kids are freaking out because there's so much pressure on them to now choose their subjects today that are going to impact on their choices for the rest of their lives mm. and they're not really ready for it on a maturity level and um, yeah so we really felt that a new book was required to deal with the magnitude of change and <clears throat> some things that haven't changed are actually how children develop and how children learn that has not changed but what has changed are the kind of kinds of jobs that our children will do. And the fact that we're bringing up our kids in an era in which there are no guarantees. You know, you can actually spend a huge amount of money on educating your children and they might still not, with their fantastic matric, get in to the course of choice. And so a big message is that we have to be very flexible because the future that we envisage for our children may not be the future that comes to pass. And we have to change our picture of what that future might look like. And we also have to change our picture of what happiness and success looks like. Because if I asked you, Sam, what is your wish for your children? And I asked this of all audiences, many, many, many hundreds of audiences that I've had over the years. What is your wish for your children? What is your parenting desire? There are two words that come up, and I've just mm. mentioned them. I want my child to be happy, and I want mm. my child to be successful. And then I counter that with, <clears throat> so can we make anybody else happy? Can you actually make someone else happy? And can you make somebody else successful? And the answer is a resounding no. We have no power to make anybody else happy or successful. But we need to upskill our children we need to prepare our children for a changing path. We cannot prepare the path for the child anymore because the path is changing so dramatically. And our children need to have the resilience, the resourcefulness, and the adaptability to be able to go out into the world and create their own version of happiness and success. <clears throat> so, Nikki, you know, I'm curious... 10 years from now, I mean, that that's exactly, that's what's making uh, parents anxious. Yes, we want our kids to be happy, but we have no control over that, nor do we have any control over anything else. So if if you and, and Graham, for that matter, could bring out, would bring out your magic eight ball again um, mm. <laughs> and and predict what the classrooms of the future look like. Like, um, you know, we, we're limiting our kids' screen time because it's so bad for them and um, we, we're learning a lot about learning through play, which is important and, and a great thing. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking at my nieces who are in primary school and high school, and they don't function at school without a, an iPad or a, well, or a similar tablet or a computer. Mm. They can't do their work without it. So there's that fine balance uh, between embracing technology, firstly, and and you know being wary of it i suppose sure. but then as well there's we need to accept that the classrooms are not going to look the same they don't look the same now and they're not going to look the same in the in the next 10 years so what would you predict the classroom of the future looks like exactly so um classrooms are changing dramatically let's just go to go back to education per se okay mm -hmm. before we get into the classrooms of the future um in preparing our children for the future world of work I want our listeners to imagine a framework in the shape of a triangle. And at the bottom of the triangle, the widest and deepest foundations are laid by family. We think our children learn so much at school, which of course they do, and we pay a lot for the privilege. But school comes much higher up in the triangle. Family is where it all begins. That's where our children's sense of safety and security um, is, is established, and that's where we set the values against which other value offerings can be measured at a later stage. So when it comes to technology, it's incredibly important that we role model our use of technology healthily for our children. For our children to get a sense of belonging and togetherness, they need face-to-face -face time with us. And it's so interesting to sit in restaurants and watch mm. parents with their children mm. because it's not just the children who are on a device. 
In fact, the children are on a device because their parents are on a device. Mm. It is so common to see a parent and a child go into a coffee shop after school and you can see the parent is working. <laughs> they're doing stuff or they're catching up on calls. And so children will immediately default to being on a screen, A, because it's convenient for the parent and B, because they're seeing what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Um, but understand that brand family is a very real thing and we need to set ourselves up as a brand of choice because every brand in the world has a youth marketing strategy and they are targeting our kids because they want a share of our children's hearts, their minds and your wallet. And the easiest way to get more money out of the family budget is to access the children. Mm. So we need to be having a lot of drip, drip, drip conversations over time with our children. Uh, from the earliest of ages, we're talking five, six years of age, around marketing. What do big brands want? Yes, they're going to sell you what's cool. They're going to sell you what's nice. They're going to tell you you need it to be popular. You need it to be loved. You need it to belong. But do you really? So what's the difference between a need and a want? Mm. But that's just an interesting conversation that you can start with your, your children and you need to have it forever because they need to understand that they are in the crosshairs of every marketer that not everything is something they really need. They might want it, but they don't need it. Anyway, so family is where hope lives. Very important. The next level up in the triangle is the children are naturally curious learners. They have a natural sense of curiosity, and they really need to be learning through discovery. And you mentioned play just now, Sam. Mm. Very, very important that we celebrate play as the language of childhood and the language of discovery about the world and discovery of self. Also, children discover themselves within the family unit. The family is the first team. And within the, the we of the team, we discover the me. Then the third level up is X factors for success. Now, this is not what children necessarily learn at school. These X factors are caught and not taught. And we talk about five key X factors in the book. And we need to help our children to acquire and develop these X factors throughout their lifetime so that when they reach my children's age in their 20s and they're applying for a job and they create a talent profile, which is a moving, living, hot multimedia document, which which is going to be far more, more important than a CV, um, that our children um, can display these X factors for success in their talent profile. And these X factors are creativity. And that, that, that obviously, you know, talks to innovation, thinking outside of the box, original thinking. So can they showcase at some time in their short lives, <laughs> times when they have been creative or innovative? Then we have loving learning. And that means loving learning for your whole life. Our children will probably live to be over 100, maybe even 120. That means they're going to work for a very, very long time, probably 80 years. One degree, one qualification will not qualify them for 80 years of work. They're going to have to keep upskilling and relearning and adding to their original qualification over time. And that means that reading is a very important skill. Everything is reading-based, and our children need strong reading and comprehension skills. And that starts by reading bedtime stories and then asking, so, you know, was uh, what 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 does that character look like? Who was who was the fun character? Who was the sad character? Why were they sad? Uh, did your children actually understand what you were reading to them? And then the third the third one is resilience. Life does not unfold in a straight line, mm. and we need for our kids to be able to bounce back when there's a curve in the road, when there's a bump in the road, and to have the resilience so that ultimately. When they're in a job, and that job no longer exists a year from now, but they have the skills and the attitude to be okay with being redeployed in an organization, maybe into a job they're not even qualified for. Um, maybe they will need to leave that job and set up their own shop. Maybe they'll need to become an entrepreneur and create their own job because what we do know about the changing world of work is that large organizations are not going to be the biggest employers in the future. It will be small and medium-sized enterprises and probably 60% of our kids will need to be entrepreneurs. Mm. And not everybody is built to be an entrepreneur. That's the other thing. 
And our children will have a portfolio of jobs like a Hollywood actor. A Hollywood actor is even, even somebody who's a sound engineer in Hollywood is not employed full time. They're employed when there's money for a movie. And in between movies, they're unemployed. So our children may have highly likely to have periods of unemployment, either voluntary unemployment or they're unemployed because there's a gap between jobs. Um, voluntary unemployment because they may take uh, moments of gap years, etc., to go and upskill themselves, to reskill themselves. Um, so they need to make hay while the sun shines and they need to be really financially savvy so that they can do good things with the money they earn when they earn it. And then um, we have to have children who know themselves really well. So that's the fourth X factor for success, knowing yourself, knowing your passions, your strengths, your weaknesses, uh, what your interests are, so that you can pick a career direction in an area of interest. And there's a whole thing about unpacking, you know, what to do with a degree, um, if you're going to choose to do a degree, if you want to become a professional still. And above X factor, oh, sorry, the last X factor is uh, being able to work in a team, either virtually or in, in the real world. Are you a good team player? Because we don't travel alone. Mm. We travel with others. So those are your five X factors for success. And an employer in the future will ask, can you showcase when you were an effective part of a team? Can you showcase how well you know yourself? Can you showcase a moment when you were resilient and you bounced back? Can you showcase how much you are prepared to voluntarily upskill yourself and keep learning. And so we have massive open online courses. If you're doing a degree, are you also during your, your back time um, looking at MOOCs and doing mm. some additional stuff? It doesn't have to be for another degree, but it's voluntary learning to augment what you already know or what you're studying for, to show that you're prepared to keep learning because organizations are going to want self-driven young people who have an internal locus of control. Who, who are driving themselves, are internally motivated and not waiting for somebody to say, now jump through this hoop. And we are seeing this in the early years in preschool already. The children are so, going back to your technology question, going, uh, they're so used to the visual prompts and the auditory prompts in, in a, a, a video game. Or an app. Or, or, in, yeah, or yeah, an yeah. app, yes. There's always another prompt. They don't have to think what to do next. Mm. The app will, will tell them when it's time mm. and what to do. And what we're seeing in the classroom is that children finish a task and then they stare into space and do nothing or they put their hand up and they say, teacher, teacher, what must we do next? There is no initiative because they're so used to either being in an adult directive situation because they're overscheduled doing activities that adults are directed and they have no free time to get bored or they're involved with an app that tells them what to do. So those X factors are very important. Above X factors in the triangle is a level called school. School is not the same as curiosity and learning. School is the curriculum. It is a formalized curriculum. Family provides a hidden curriculum. So we pay school to take our children through a formal curriculum and that curriculum is designed to get them from A to B and that B is called matric mm. because you still have to have a matric if you want to go and do a degree. However, we are saying to parents that while the research says that those who have degrees have traditionally earned more in the long over the long term, we need to think broader than degrees today. It's not necessary that you have to have a degree. You can become an accountant today without being a CA because the South African Institute for Chartered Accountants will measure your experience and allow you to become a CA. Mm. You could go into medicine without becoming a doctor. We have a very narrow view of what medicine means. But if you start actually scratching the tip of the iceberg, there's so much you can do in the field of medicine that does not require you to become a doctor. You could get into robotics. Currently, you can't do um, a degree in medical robotics. You could cobble robotics onto your medical degree. Uh, if you want to become an installer of robotic body parts, you might be able to get into medicine through the back door of robotics. You could get into medicine through ethics. You could go and study ethics through law and then get into medicine. 
So there's many, many ways to skin this cat, many more possibilities yeah, than the there's ever been before. The sky's the limit with this. I mean, we really... I'm back, my parents, I think, they, they were quite um, open-minded, but still struggled to understand that there are vocations outside of your typical doctor, lawyer, engineer exactly. profession. And it's, yeah. yeah. And Sam, those professions are very threatened right now. Those professions, we need to be wary of those professions. Do you, whatever, if you want to get, go and do a degree and follow a profession, you need to follow a couple of rules, um, a couple of suggestions that we have. And that is that take the most general degree in the field in which the, in which you want to enter. So say it's medicine or law, any of those things that you've just mentioned. Make it a general degree. Don't get too specific too soon because things are changing so dramatically. Mm-hmm. And do something magical with your electives. So instead of doing business writing, which is always the easiest option, take philosophy. Because the arts are gaining in popularity. While we need a lot of scientific-based people and engineers and doctors and whatever, we also need a lot of people in the arts because informatics is linked to um, the arts, for example. Dealing with big data, but being mm. able to put it into a visual space because most of us don't understand data. It's, it's too boring and it's just too cumbersome. So we need people with fantastic visual skills to take big data and make it interesting for us. Um, so those kind of people, people who, who've looked at philosophy, who understand philosophy and can apply it to science, that's a great combination. We call them key thinkers, people who can do both art and science. Uh, so if you can double major, all the better. Um, then while you, you know, during VAC, look at MOOC, look at getting work experience outside of your career focus. Mm. And we're looking at uh, saying to people, go to the most technological, futuristic edge of your qualification. So if you are doing engineering and medicine, make sure you bolt on robotics. If you're doing accounting, make sure you add coding, artificial intelligence, machine learning to what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to become obsolete because any of these professions are reliant on repetitive information. And repetitive information can can be put to an algorithm and can be digitized. So what I'm yeah. thinking, Nikki, is it's. It, I was going to ask you which which um, fields and careers and vocations have become redundant or will be redundant over the next 10, 20 years. But w- the more I listen to you, the more I realize that it's not about the, them becoming redundant. It's about them evolving and you evolving it's with evolution. it. It's evolution. And that's the thing is that um, we have to embrace the future with courage and with optimism. Mm. Otherwise, our children will be fearful of the future. And also know that you are future-proofing yourself while you're future-proofing your child. You know, I was going to say that if I can interrupt. I, I'm actually quite... I need a bit of a wake-up call, I, I feel. Also, the more... <laughs> when I listen to your X factors... So when I listen to your X factors, I kind of thought to myself, you know... If I'm if I'm going to expect my little one, he's two and a half, um, Elijah. Yes. If I'm going to expect Elijah to to have all of these X factors, I need to have them. One hundred percent, and that's why in the book we talk about building a talent profile. My son's in America now, coloring in his talent profile because let's face it, there are many many people who have a BCom in strategic management. Yeah. Hundreds and thousands of people probably. How is he going to stand out from somebody else when he applies for a job? It's not the degree that is going to make him stand out. It's everything else. I think, Nikki, another word that comes to mind here is niche. And that's, that's what we as millennials and what, um, what we need to be teaching our children is the more niche you go and the more you delve into what you're, you pinpoint an interest. Mm, mm. That's gonna, that's what's going to take you. I'm just, I mean, I, I feel, I think this used to bog me down, you know, living in the technological revolution mm, that, mm. that we are. But I, I'm excited about it, and I hope our listeners will be too. I just, well, you know, the technology gives us access. Yeah. And while we don't want our children to grow up in um, in one room in front of a screen. They do need to have the technological skills to be able to support, support themselves in business one day, whatever that career might be. And technology and the internet and social media gives every entrepreneur access 
like entrepreneurs have never had before. Mm. So we have the possibility. Everyone can become a brand of one. Everyone can become a, a business owner. Everybody can sell their skills on the internet because we have access. I, I know 16, 17, 18-year-olds who are already selling their skills online because they can. Yeah, why sh- and why shouldn't I, they? And why shouldn't they? And I also know a 10-year-old who is earning 10,000 rand a weekend selling slime, homemade slime at market. No. She earns 40,000 rand a week doing real multi-sensory stuff. No. She's buying, she's selling, she's built a business, she's taking her family to Mauritius, she's already built, put the 60,000 rand deposit down. It doesn't have to all be online stuff. Mm. There's so many different ways that we can sell our, trade our energy and our time for money. And we need to give our children the benefit of online and offline experiences so that they are confident in both spaces. That is how you future-proof a child, to make sure that they have the high-tech skills and the high-touch skills to exist in both worlds at the same time because the intersection between those those worlds is where the power lies. It's not one or the other, it's both. Jeez, Nikki, well done. I, <laughs> I couldn't have... <laughs> uh, you answered my next question. I was going to ask you, what, besides reading your book... Should parents be doing to prep their child for for this ever evolving world? But there, you said it, and I, I build, build, build yeah. brand family. Go and build brand family. Don't get scared by the future. Build strong foundations in brand family. Make sure that your family is the brand that your child wants to connect to by choice, because that is where their safety and security lies, and where their launch pad into the future lies. The rest, take it as it comes. You know, mm. make sure that devices do not become divisive in your relationships, but make sure your children have the skills to use devices well, healthily, and to make good value judgments. But to get those values to measure other value 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 propositions by from you. So we need to give our kids a worldview, but we also need to be flexible. The world is changing, so we need to be flexible and expansive. We need to be keep our finger on the pulse of the changing world, which is why we've written the book, to give people a handle on what's happening. If you read the book, then every time you read a newspaper or listen to a news bulletin or watch carte blanche, which freaks you out, you will have perspective. You need to keep mm. perspective. It's mm. not all bad and it's not all scary. We need to see it as exciting and as evolving. You use that word. And you know what? Human beings are supposed to be evolving. We're not supposed to be stagnant. Well, exactly. So... Let's see the future as a mirror of our human evolution. Well, that well, that has blown my mind. <laughs> right? <laughs> I want to read this book. I just feel motivated by hearing what she has to say. You know what I love about the book is it's not making me feel judged or shit in any way. It's making me... Feel it really is making me feel relieved and heard as a parent in this generation. In one of the earlier chapters, um, Nikki and Graham write that par- the parents of today are time poor and stress rich and fearful because of too much choice and that we are living in a cacophony of our modern world where there's just so many conflicting opinions and there's so much noise. And I just feel so seen and heard that as a parent. That I'm makes me feel understood. Yes. Because I, 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 listening to that and listening to what she's saying about how to help your kids um, in the future, I don't feel so intimidated anymore about the fu- by the future um, because I, I, I've felt very overwhelmed um, since I've had kids thinking about you want to be the best parent, you want to do the best that you can for them, but... I also feel guilty about how much I am having to work or how much I am on my phone or on my laptop or and not having that balance. And I feel guilty and I just feel constantly like I'm failing. What this is telling me is it is the nature of the beast. This is the way that life has evolved and it is where you're at. And you're not any worse off than anybody else in this rat right. race called life. And what it's giving me is hope because there it feels like there's a solution. It feels like 
I can breathe and be like, okay, this is all really stressful and really crazy, but it's not hopeless if I just readjust my thinking and I don't consider everything I thought I knew to be the truth and consider other things and just be more of a support to equip my child. Like nobody's saying you need to have control and nobody's saying you need to be the perfect parent. Life is what it is. But Nikki speaks about focusing on brand family. That is our brand and that is who we are. And these are our values and just instilling over and above school, which we focus so much on over and above school, instilling those values, those X factors. And what I I also love about this is not to be all somber, but every year when the matric results are due to be published, there's always in the news about suicide or or even not even related to academic performance, but um, being ridiculed by their peers and that kind of thing. And I feel that when those values are instilled or focused on in families, it helps children have hope. Because why are you committing suicide? Okay, there are many reasons. One of the factors is hopelessness. Like matric was the end of the road for you. feeling like there is no way out. Or being ridiculed by peers, you feel trapped and that this is the end of your existence because this thing has happened to me. So what this gives me is hope and it will give our children hope right so a nice a nice bottom line for me was um you know wh- how she talks about tech and um not letting the devices rule your life i i do see a bit of a lack of initiative in elijah and he's not on i mean he's been at home now mm-hmm. um off his feet and not being able to play outside for a week and he's already um i i I want he's been on the ipad and i bought him a leap start sort of kit Mm -hmm. and he doesn't he's not really keen on it Mm. and it's it's upsetting me because i'm just like but shit you know this thing firstly it costs money secondly it's it's something that you can sit still and use Mm -hmm. um you know it's just a little console with books that and the the stylus that you push on it, it like uh, you can match colors mm-hmm. and do all the things that you would on an iPad game, but you're not looking at a screen. Mm-hmm. Well, when you push on the magic treasure chest, which is a 2D image on a flat piece of paper, he's unimpressed <laughs> because it's not bursting open as it would on an iPad app. Yes. And showing you what's inside the treasure chest when yes. you push on the treasure chest. Yes. I'm already seeing this lack of initiative. I'm already seeing... Seeing all of that, but then at the same time, I know he is he's he's going to be fine. So it's this book and Nikki. The, my discussion with Nikki has given me the confidence um, to to know that I can take this information and go forward with it. Like we always say, knowledge is power, and when you know better, you do better. And mm. so now that just being aware, mm. just knowing it's how we—it's what we spoke about in our Momo discussion and our child's digital footprint. There is no harm in just knowing. Mm-hmm. So instead of being frustrated that he's not using this toy, I'm thinking, why isn't he enjoying this part of the mm-hmm. toy? Because perhaps I haven't, you know, uh, exercised his creative muscle. Mm. You know, on that note, a big bottom line for me is that um, you'll have to remind me of the term she uses. It's just before your your talent profile. Yes, your talent profile. Well, that's the one that comes, yeah, right actually at the top above school. Yes, before that's like the last step to future-proofing your child. How she spoke about her child. He's taking a gap year and he's coloring in In his his talent talent profile. profile. That for me was a major uh, like bottom line from this uh, discussion with her. Because I've been particularly fearful of not um, pushing my child into a box. So whenever I compliment him or I uh, give positive feedback or like I'm proud of you or that kind of thing, I've always wondered, am I telling him that I'm not going to be proud of him if he doesn't get it right or if he doesn't possess that quality or um, like his sister is able to do something which he 
wasn't, and I've seen it in him. Like she'll say something, I'll praise, she'll do something, I'll praise her for it. And he'll be like, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. And there's this constant competition. It's probably just the phase that he's going through, but I've been so aware of, am I making my child feel like if he doesn't tick these boxes, he's not adequate. And if, if I'm aware of that, is society and the other people he's encountering it at school or in his life making him feel that way? How can I counteract that? And what I love about the talent profile is that a talent profile is something that doesn't look the same for everyone. For exactly. So you don't have to fit into a box. Everybody has their own set of or own uh, own talent profile that looks a certain way. Yeah, it's your fingerprints of the world. Exactly. Yeah. And so you can build on your talent profile just because your your skill set. So if I'm good at academics, um I'm perfect, but that I'm I might be bad at sports. And so sorry, oh, you you don't really fit into that category. That doesn't mean that you're not good enough. Your talent profile looks different and build on that. Mm. Man, it gives me hope for, it really gives me hope for the future. And I think mm. uh, for anybody who's uncertain, even for themselves, might I add, because as millennial moms, you know, we fit into that generation, actually. As millennial moms, we are part of that generation who are uh, shifting gears all the time. You and I have done it. Most moms we know mm. actually have to, it's the nature of that beast that mm -hmm. we've got to um, change our careers and upskill in different ways. And I think this just gives us permission to do that. Mm. And mm. that's what I love. So I think, I think we should keep talking. For sure. Like we always say, um, you, our listeners, know that we want to chat to you and we want you to weigh in on the stuff we discuss here, um, whether it's something you feel passionate about or something you want to swear about or rant about or cry about, or if you have been feeling like Sam and I that uh, concerned about the future or what to do or overwhelmed even by it, D uh, uh, by all of these things that the future holds, DM us a voice note on Instagram at the Great Equalizer Podcast, share your thoughts, share your stories, um, or even just your criticisms, if if any. Now, record whatever message you have for us on your phone and hit us up over email. Just attach it, um, thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com. Feel free to tag us also on any of your Instagram or Facebook posts with the hashtags, hashtag bombing at momming or hashtag bad mom moment. We know you all have them and we have them. So please don't make us feel alone. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, your support is super important to us. And really, I can't thank everybody enough for just rallying together like the mom bosses we are in every meaning of that word. Just I felt so supported by what you guys had to say regarding Elijah's fall. I got so many wonderful messages saying, I know you feel bad. <laughs> I know you feel cuck, but you're a great mom and you're doing a good job. Just that, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah. for your support. I particularly love the one, not to digress, about <laughs> the one mom punching her kid in the face <laughs> yeah. with onlookers. I it mean, so helps when you share your... your <laughs> You know, bad mom moments with me. I don't feel that so terrible. And yes. <laughs> um, please don't forget also when you do listen to review us on uh, Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook. And remember to hit the subscribe button because you'll get your notifications of when the new episode is uh, ready for listening. Yeah. And the more we've seen, the better this podcast will do and the better we'll do for you and also just a reminder for any of the Gauteng moms with kids who are still in nappies yes busy bottoms nappy service is giving listeners a 30% discount for the initial four weeks of service so busy bottoms drops off beautiful fresh clean cloth nappies to your door once a week picking up the stanky ones literally dealing with some of your shit <laughs> literally <laughs> and saving the environment all at the same time <laughs> For more, email info at busybottoms.co.za or head on over to their website, busybottoms.co.za. Do it now. And if you need even more info, backtrack to episode 37 for a quick rundown on cloth nappies and the information relating to this offer. So guys, join us again next week, please. We will be chatting with Learning from Luke's Jess Roberts about raising a kid with special needs. And have those tissues handy. Indeed. <laughs> I guess, Charlene, that's it for this week. Yes. Until next time, keep, keep your, your mom, mom game strong. strong.
for more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizerza.com or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. So, hello, my name's Elijah. My name's Elijah. Elijah, what happened to your leg? I fell down. Where? On my leg. And where were you? At the trampoline show. Is your leg getting better? Mm. My Anna is getting better. And what do you love? Mommy. Yay. Oh.